So we are in this entitled There is One, and, and it's the creatively looking at who Jesus is, who he, uh, who he is for each one of us as his believers, and who he is to the church, and uh, this, this morning we continue that series on into Easter where we look at there's one resurrection, there's one Savior. Today, uh, I was reminded this week as I was planning for my message, uh, uh, the idea of power. And so today we're going to be talking about that there's one power. Um, this week, Bob Ross, Bob Ross himself visited our house this week. Uh, he actually had a sleepover at our house, and this is Bob Ross. Oh, there's Bob Ross right there. Uh, Bob Ross is my friend, the Greasebox dog, and we dog sat for a night, uh, and, um, and, it, it, and it just reminded me of, um, of, of really kind of like training kids and, and how that all works, but uh, what it became for us was while he was with us, it came this weird dance of power. So he comes from the Greasebox house, which is just up the corner from us, real close by, similar demographic, and, uh, and, uh, and then he came to our house for what was just 24 hours, a short visit. Uh, but the Mannings are actually in a discernment period as to whether or not a dog might be part of our story uh, later on. And so this is part of that. Somebody's like, oh, geez. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, part of that is like, let's dog sit a couple dogs and, and figure that out. Um, but it became Came this wrestling match of power and, uh, and, and, and training, and so Bob came from a house where he had his own set of rules, and then he had to come to our house, and we had to be like, uh, really set the tone for what he could or couldn't do at our house, and, and this power and control, this influence of the situation uh, with a dog who can't speak for themselves and is at the mercy of, and I took kind of lead on watching Bob uh, at, at the, the mercy of a grown man, like I can't like, I don't speak dog, and so uh, we were just kind of uh, wrestling the whole time with what he could do and what he couldn't do. And it got me thinking about this, our, our ideas of power, our ideas of, uh, of what power means, where we institute power, where we, um, where we uh, exercise, uh, exercise power, uh, and uh, Bob Ross, Bob Ross, Bob Ross, uh, Bob Ross, Bob Ross. Bob, oh, there we go. Bob Ross, Bob Ross is a hero, right? I mean, the, the power that he yields with that paintbrush, right, isn't no, hap, no accidents, just happy mistakes or whatever he says, but uh, Bob Ross in himself is a hero. Uh, but it, you, you actually don't have to uh, take, it doesn't take long for you to uh, interact with a teenager or be in a teenager's room or, uh, or even grown uh, children, and I classify myself as a grown child, um, to know that uh, heroes and, um, and, and, and people of power and influence in our lives, uh, we set them up for uh, for accessibility in, 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 in worship, in uh, whether it be um, TikTokers or t YouTubers, uh, football players, pop stars, uh, movie stars, right? They are oftentimes in our lives very accessible and easily admirable to, to us and have influence. Um, waving flags, buying jerseys, 
uh, and, and I'm going to catch some slack for this this football season because I am a Broncos fan living in Washington, and uh, the, the Seahawks saving grace, Russell Wilson, uh, got traded to the Broncos, and so as I throw on a Russell Wilson jersey or my Broncos jersey, I'm sure, I've already seen it in the stores where people are like, you know, people wearing Broncos hats, and they're like, no, you can't do that, you bandwagon fan, jumping off, and I'm like, well, I've been a Broncos fan for a while, but, uh, but we'll catch some slack. But here's the deal. Uh, whether it be YouTubers, NFL stars, TikTokers, Instagram, politicians, uh, board members, teachers, keyboard warriors, right? What all these people have in common is they are individuals with power. And quite honestly, all of us have power over maybe children or pets or whatever, and, and, and how we uh, interact with that power, how we allow that power to live out in our lives is a big question. Um, the individuals that I've mentioned and talked about, so for some sway crowds, some set trends, uh, some are icons of behavior. If you watch TikTok at all, uh, you know, you have people who see something on TikTok and then uh, they promote whatever it is, a, a set of lights or a couch or whatever, and then all of a sudden the stores sell out of that piece of furniture because this famous person put it on their page, right? And so they have these, uh, these ways of uh, influencing behavior or demand high salaries or are in a position where they can control others with their life. In, in some cases, it is the benefit of only themselves, that they are the only ones that benefit from this power, uh, and, and they use it for their own benefit. And in some cases, actually, uh, they force a cause or an outcome. They force a movement. They force a group of people to believe and act and follow the way that they uh, entail. They desire to control others. Uh, numerous wars, slavery, abuse of every kind, grief, unhappiness have all come at the hands of misused power. And here's the deal, church. Misuse of power and control is of grave concern to our God, the creator of this earth and what he desires for each one of us. Uh, there seems to be war waged against all sorts of oppression throughout the Bible, that God does not stand for oppression and the misuse of power. Now, that is all throughout Scripture, but specifically when it comes to Jesus, and even in Holy Week, um, specifically when it comes to that is a, is, a, is a definition of power that maybe is different than uh, you and I here on earth might view power. And it started way before Palm Sunday, but Palm Sunday was where Jesus' actual uh, desire for power was, and, and what power meant to him, uh, was displayed in, in, I think, one of the greatest, uh, greatest ways, or at least it kicked off in one of the greatest ways. Check it out. It's in Mark chapter 11. And so if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible on your phone, you can open it. We're going to actually look at the Palm Sunday account. There's a couple Bibles in the back. If you need a Bible and you don't want just a plain paper one, let me know. I would love to buy you a Bible if you don't have a Bible, or you can take one of the paper ones and start with that. But Mark 11 is the account of Palm Sunday. 
And it starts with this, verse 1. Uh, well, it, it ended with blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bart got healed by Jesus after he'd been blind for a long time. And, and the crowd had started to follow Jesus uh, and, and was, as he was heading to Jerusalem. And this is what Mark's account is in Mark uh, chapter 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany, uh, and, and, and Bethpage and Bethany is just a, if you don't know the demographic, I've never been there, but I've been told. Uh, it's on like number one on my list is to get over to Israel and Jerusalem and visit over there. But uh, there's uh, hillsides and communities, and Jerusalem is set upon a hill, but the surrounding communities are also set on hillsides. And so Bethpage and Bethany is just a hillside away, about, uh, you know, like a, a, a 16 to 25 minute stroll, depending on how you walk. Um, but uh, that's where Bethany and Bethpage is, and this is where the Mount of Olives was, and, and Jesus was. Uh, coming into Jerusalem. It says this, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples of his, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and uh, just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are doing this, say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. So it starts with a, a, a donkey jacking, right? Like a car's parked. Uh, it's a brand new car, not a Tesla. It's a donkey, so it's more like a, I don't know, a, a, a Chevy Volt or whatever, Bolter. It's, it's just a small little, you know, commuter car. Um, but either way, Jesus tells his disciples to go steal somebody's ride and bring it back to him. All right, and then in verse 4, they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway, and as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered, Jesus had uh, told them to, uh, and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Uh, and, th and that ends with verse 7. And so there, there are many reasons, many reasons why Jesus uh, rode into town on a, uh, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to fulfill prophecy that was spoken before of what, what would come, uh, to claim uh, Jesus' kingship over God's chosen people, the king of his people uh, in their lives. Uh, but what was fitting in this is how he announced his arrival, that God coming into the kingdom was based on not power and authority where he would armor up and jump on a horse with a big joust and uh, set out to, uh, you know, to take down everybody in town as a mighty warrior, but as uh, on a donkey with some jackets uh, and, and to ride in uh, to town. Um, in, in not the exercise of oppression or control over people, but in this lowly of ways. Uh, and Jesus himself, as this Palm Sunday happens, Jesus himself was our example of this radical change uh, in the perception of and to power. So the way he perceived, the way we perceive power, and the way, uh, the way we interact with it. 
what he revealed was that life in God's kingdom is based on relationship, vulnerability, uh, service towards others, and we'll get into this, but that God's power is available at all times. And that's what I want you to hear this morning, that the power of God, the, uh, the resurrection power, the power that we celebrate on Easter with the, the empty tomb is accessible to us at all times. It is at our fingertips and it has, but it's not necessarily for us to yield it in the uh, craziest of ways or in the ways that we often think. We're like, man, I wish, I wish God would yield, his, would yield his power this way for me so that I can gain or whatever it may be. Um, but I'm not sure, uh, and I think, uh, I think of it, uh, it's easy to say that the crowd, uh, the crowd wasn't cheering on Palm Sunday as Jesus entered in, and we'll get into, they were saying Hosanna, as the crowd cheered in Jesus from Bethany and Bethpage into Jerusalem, what the crowd was cheering for that Sunday, the path was not the path that that donkey was leading Jesus in to do, on that holy week uh, and the week that we celebrate in this, in this, in this coming time. Um, and then in verse 8, we get into that. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And so Jesus rode in in this, what we call in, this, in, in the scriptures as this triumphal entry, but this triumphal entry was on a donkey uh, as people cheered him into entering into Jerusalem. And then, realizing it was late in the day, he had his magnificent entry, and he faded back out into Bethany and Bethpage uh, for the evening before uh, what would be uh, the Holy Week kicked off the next, or that Sunday on into the next Monday. And we see here that there's rumblings, that Jesus was coming to this Passover gathering, this Holy Week at this time, and people knew all that he had been doing. They had knew about the, the healings of Blind Bart and all the other healings with his disciples. They had heard of his teachings. A lot of them had traveled with him back when he was doing his ministry for those few years, and then now were there for the Passover, because everybody would come at that time for the Passover. They were eager for his arrival, and his arrival came as his disciples stole the donkey, and he rode in on it. Now, there's something you have to realize with this. This idea of Jesus entering in with the crowds cheering, because we know, we know the whole story of that week. That the crowds would be cheering Jesus in on Jerusalem, or into Jerusalem that Sunday, that Palm Sunday, but by the end of the week, they would be yelling, crucify him. They would be yelling, put him to death. Out of those three, kill Jesus. Don't let him live. And, and we have to get a little bit of an understanding of actually what's going on at this time. That actually from Bethany, Bethpage, and, and on into the Mount of Olives, on into Jerusalem, uh, it wasn't out of the ordinary for people to be singing. So the fact that the Bible records... Um, 
you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like, that is actually written in Psalms as what we know, well, what we do or don't know, but we know the Psalms as these Psalms of Ascent, songs of ascent. And as they headed down the mountain and then, and then headed up the mountain into Jerusalem, that city set on a hill where the temple of Jerusalem was, that they would actually sing these Psalms out on a regular basis. Definitely that one year a week where everybody, you know, converged in on uh, the temple and in and, and, and Jerusalem and the Holy... But, but actually, quite frankly, on the, on the daily, as people made that trek from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem, they would sing these songs of ascent almost out of habit. They would just... I don't know about you, but if you like are driving in your car and you're listening to 106.5 or, or you're, you're, you want to cue up your favorite worship songs like as you head into town because it's like a 25-minute drive, you know? Like that's what they would just do. They would just worship those songs. They would just sing those songs. So the fact that they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, yeah, there might be some, some extra excitement around Jesus entering in at this time, but it was a regu very regular thing. It happened daily, and it definitely happened annually as crowds converged in on Jerusalem for the Passover and Holy Week. So that's not out of the ordinary. But here's the deal. They, they actually added to the songs that they would sing out of Psalms. Psalm 118 and, and some of the songs of a sense that are in Psalms, uh, they're clear. They would sing those word for word. And people knew those songs, like you know the most popular worship songs that we sing, right? But in this case, they added to Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They added this. They added, blessed is, is the coming kingdom of our father David, which isn't in the Psalms at all. So this is them adding to the Psalms this idea of the kingdom that they aspired to come with Jesus entering into Jerusalem. So they added, blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is coming. And so they had an idea of what they desired to come with Jesus' entry. And it, and, and it came from a dream in the Old Testament that they had that their power would be restored and Rome would be less than them again and they would rule over their oppressors at the time and that they would, they would lord over them, that they would, they would deliver them out of uh, the, the bondage and the oppression that they were currently under. And that Jesus entering in would restore the kingdom of David that they had dreamt of happening with the entrance of a new king, that they wanted it to rule over the powers that be at that time. But here's the deal. Uh, this glimpse of worldly power and perception, uh, even just during the life of Jesus on earth, didn't even start there. That we get a glimpse of what, uh, what that power uh, is like even in the beginning of Jesus' life that we celebrate at Christmas, right? The birth of Jesus. And that Christmas story, if we backtrack a little bit, the subject of Jesus' relationship to power is clearly uh, displayed there as he comes born a baby in a manger uh, in a, a, a town where nothing good can come from. 
not some magnificent power entry into the world. But not only that, the king at that time, King Herod, would, what, if you know the story, you know what he did, that as the wise men got a, a vision that this new king was coming, King Herod said, what king? I'm the king. And so what he had done was he had every boy of that age killed. That's the power that is current at that time. And, you know, I know there's not like mass, you know, uh, baby genocide here, but, but it's not too far from the idea of when our power is challenged, we execute on trying to restore as much power as we can. And, 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 and in this, this is a display of this king that had come and this, this grown man who had felt threatened by a baby had all of the children of that age killed off at that time. And that's the power that, that, that Jesus opposed in his coming. Philippians 2, 6-7 says, He, being in, the very, in very nature God, did not consider himself... Uh, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus' life, Jesus' life here on earth, his ministry here on earth was not this one long opportunity to wield power over uh, a long period of time. That that wasn't the purpose of Jesus' life. And if we look at it, even in the wilderness, when Jesus is challenged by Satan, Satan takes Jesus out into the wilderness, and he's challenged by Satan, the nature of, and he's tempted, the Bible says he's tempted, that his temptations reveal that he could have fallen into the trap of what Satan wanted to do, use his power for, for himself and his own gain, but he chose not to. He rejected using divine power for his own needs, putting himself in a position of being this popular hero to the people, but performing, by performing these spectacular feats of saving himself and, and doing the crazy things that, that Satan had asked him to do. Um, but that, uh, that he, he chose not to have that power of this earthly ruler type, uh, you know, positional power that, that was being uh, asked of him. And here's the deal. Uh, his uh, his God-given pur- purpose was, given, uh, was, was to give his life for others. That's what Jesus' God-given purpose was, to give his life for others. While he lived here on earth in ministry, but also in the manner of his death and what was to come on Easter that we celebrate every year. Celebrate, hopefully, all year round. Um, And here's the deal. I think if we all get an idea of power being used, we all can understand the power of being used for our own renown, for our own sense of being known, being known by people and being known by, uh, you know, social media and, and all the people around us and building up this, this idea of, of, of being known in achievement in ourselves and lifestyle and position and chasing what it is that we want and desire, that we think we want and desire in our lives. 
And this is the, the corporate model that you've probably heard and uh, spoken about where you step on people on your way up to climbing to your own power. And you, and you, you don't actually even care about the collateral damage. And I'm not saying you. I'm saying in general this is what power can be. We don't care about the collateral damage that could happen as we gain what it is that we desire to gain. And that's this misuse of power. Um, and, and I believe it's prevalent by, in our culture. Uh, I think it's prevalent in our workspaces. It's prevalent in, uh, in what, what, what happens naturally in our in environments. Um, and social media plays a part in that, right? Likes, tweets, comments, follows, snaps, right? Our popularity is great, but actuality, I'm famous enough if I'm just known by God. If I'm just focused and known by God, that is enough. And it's getting to that point uh, where we don't misuse the power that even God sometimes gives us here on earth for our own gain and our own purpose, right? And this is, this is not anything close to the life that Jesus displayed for us to live out. This wrestling of power and being known individually and being uh, elevated individually. That's not the desire that Jesus uh, displayed in, in the life that he lived out. He didn't ride into to Jerusalem to attempt to, to take over the current king. He didn't come into the city and like look for the most powerful person close by and, and upend him. He came in, took a look around, and kind of gauged up what he was going to do the rest of the week, knowing, and actually even had told plenty of people what was going to happen. And he moseyed back out onto Bethany and Bethpage, onto the other hillside, knowing and probably working through all the emotions that he had of this service that he knew was for everyone. But what I believe culture and, and, and what I'm kind of sure of today's day and age has done is quite frankly, more so than even this idea of, uh, of gaining status and, and getting as high as we can, uh, and that is, is this idea of this prevalent, and it was prevalent back then as well, just as much as it is today, is this notion and this stance of being right. This stance of power that we take oftentimes as believers that, that I'm right and everybody who doesn't believe in me is wrong. And because of that, I am elevated. I am better. I am whatever it may be. Um, and, 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 and with this, this mentality, this desire uh, to obtain, uh, to moralistically and idealistically uh, achieve rightness over uh, the, the, the service and the servitude and the, the peace and the, the, the actuality of what Jesus came to do. Uh, those around us uh, don't believe what we believe, don't behave the way we behave, and because of that, they're less, which isn't the case. I said it a few weeks ago, uh, belonging is the first of the bees. Belong, be, uh, believe, and behave is the order. Everybody belongs. Everybody belongs. Despite what they are currently doing, have done, will do, will continue to do, I have my stuff as well, but we all belong as God's creation in his family. 
And then God, in, uh, and I'm so glad that God is in the business of changing hearts and minds and that it doesn't fall on me and it doesn't fall on you. That you working that out with God then works out the behave and believe portion of it. Believing in him and then the behavior comes after that. But we all belong as part of this. Right? But what I've become aware of, both uh, very much directly in my own life, in what I've witnessed to, is, and what I've observed is this desire, this mentality, this perception of power above those that don't act or don't live up to whatever status, even within the church, that I, uh, that I, that I have. Those that believe differently than me, those that oppose me, uh, it, it, those that uh, strongly believe and are convicted of something different, uh, that I give that so much power to control my desire to right or wrong, to change that in my, to change them or to change me. Um, And what we wish ultimately, uh, and, 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 and even thinking that way, it kind of sends yourself into a frenzy of like, oh, but they, they, don't, they don't act the way that they should. Why is this happening? Da, 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 da. I mean, and you get into this frenzy of comparison and, 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 and grasping at more power than they have and combating the power that they're trying to instill on you. And like, it just becomes this, this crazy wrestling match of trying to gain as much influence and power for my own purposes. Um, and, and ultimately, uh, we'd rather do away with them. I mean, and not in that way. Not in that way. Like, like but that's ultimately, I just wish they would just, duh, done. And I believe it's easy to wish away those uh, that would be so prevalent, cult, a culture that seems to be gaining ground, a lifestyle that seems to be winning the day, a morality that seems to be fading, that those who believe differently and oppose what, what I may strongly believe and be convicted of, those that, uh, that we give that power and control to infiltrate our lives and to set up, set up shop in there, that it sends us into that frenzy and, and that we wish God would just kind of eliminate them from our lives, that we wouldn't have to worry about them, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't get, like, even have to give them the time of day, that, we, that he would right their wrongs in such a way that I wouldn't have to be playing that over in my head, or at least, at the very least, that I would try to avoid them as much as I could, wouldn't allow them access or influence in my life because of, because of whatever power they're trying to take or whatever their uh, life that they're trying to live. And ultimately, what God kind of showed me was this idea of it's really hard to love someone that you're actively avoiding. That you're actively desiring to not have any part of. And that's not what Jesus came for either. Remember we talked about it's belong, all belong. Jesus came with his dose of power and what he desired for us and it was for everyone. It's presumed that Jesus in his early life, we don't get a lot of details, but that Jesus in his early life was living out this, uh, was living in this occupied country and, uh, and, and taught, what, what that taught him is that both people and land and power is, is misused. 
and, uh, and, and that he learned from his human experiences, this human life that, we, that he ultimately projects out that he can actually relate to everything that we're going through. And he knows everything that we're going through. But that, uh, that, uh, that he learned from these human experiences that when it came time for him to make a choice, that it was, became evident that he had to make a choice, and at the age of 30 that he would also learn that when you take on the might of a strong pervasive group of people and empire, as well as a long-established corrupt religious hierarchy, that you are going to live dangerously. And nonetheless, he taught his disciples that there's that one one place of importance in the kingdom of God was determined by servanthood, was determined by relationship, was not by uh, position or uh, or a, a, a move of taking over something. It wasn't it wasn't made to lord over people. Or it wouldn't produce the desired outcome and the influence. And, and people learn that that doesn't produce that desired outcome and influence. That we, we ultimately, that ultimately what God wants for us. And what I'm suggesting that if we follow Jesus, if we emulate his life, if we live out the life that he desires for us, admitting, if we're able to admit the lack of perfection, if we're able to admit the way that we misuse our power based on uh, uh, our own, putting our own desires first, if we are to spend our lives for others, our own needs and sometimes even our own safety and even our earthly sanity might come second place to the power that Jesus desires to have in our own lives, which then is displayed by the peace and the, uh, the life lived focused on him and his life. And there's those in the world who have discovered the hard way that spending, I'm, I'm going to just throw my name on this list, that spending uh, uh, part or, or the entirety of your life to obtain power, fame, and a sense of being right has not brought contentment in the peace that, that, that ultimately I want. If you were here last week, you got a glimpse of how unpeaceful my life has been the last few weeks and how I've been wrestling with God about desiring that peace. But, but fame and power and, 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 and being right and being, bringing other people to the terms that I need them to, like that isn't, that doesn't bring that peace that I desire. It actually it actually becomes paralyzing to reach after that stuff. It, becomes, it becomes the sole focus, and we can't focus on anything else. 
And then there's those that have discovered that following Jesus and embracing servitude uh, and, 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 and living a life that is actually given for those that are around us brings that peace, that, pass, that peace that passes all understanding, that quiets the storms and the frenzies that we play in our brains and our minds and, 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 and the, the, the scrapping for whatever is next in our lives. And here's the switch for me, because it rocked and kind of flipped things upside down for me these past few weeks. When it comes to the people around me that I've seemed to allow uh, disruption and influence, when it comes to the, the, the obtaining of, uh, of, of uh, positional or uh, organizational uh, identity, when I, when I go after uh, that personally... when I go after that on my own, when I allow uh, people who believe differently than I do, when I allow uh, people who live a life contrary to me, opposite of meaning, purpose, and direction, that that becomes the disruption and the distraction from what uh, God desires for me to do even with them in their life. God doesn't give me power and influence to change their life. That God, like I said, God is the only one that is in the business of changing hearts and minds. And he's in the business of doing that with you, personally for you, and what he desires for you to do. That we do that with each other through in relationships and encouragement, but that he desires to work, to do that work with you Personally, that I think if we would love God uh, to deal with and eliminate all that have done evil and bad in the world, that even if we just personally perceive uh, this this badness, I think that's a word, right? Uh, that that uh, that God God is desiring to help me out in those areas. And it, and it starts with God's desire to change our hearts and walk with us in our own lives. The people in the crowd that day that didn't want, that, uh, that they, weren't, they weren't cheering for the outcome that Jesus, uh, that Jesus ultimately was, was coming from, was going to bring, those people, like I said at the beginning, at the end of the week, were cheering for him to be crucified, had changed their story in a manner that, fet, that, that, that derived from their meaning and their purpose of what he had came to do didn't fit. What Jesus had come to do didn't fit with them, and so they wanted to eliminate it. They wanted a king that would overthrow the Roman government, and God, for us, wants to start with you, with me personally in our hearts he wants to start with each one of us individually to relinquish the power and control that we so are desperately wanting and desiring to hold on to and he does that with dealing with our own sin first and that when we can deal with that when we can set aside our sinful desires to, to challenge God in our lives we align with what he desires for each one of us, and it becomes the opportunity that we have 
by giving that power over to him and allowing him to lead us into the influence and peace and, and servitude that he calls us to. And that's ultimately what he wrote in on Palm Sunday to do. And he desires, even on this Palm Sunday, to do that with you individually. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. And I'm going to just close us in a prayer of allowing God to, uh, to work and influence us right where we're at. Because he knows where we're at. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for what uh, the start of Holy Week means. Um, back then in Palm Sunday, as you rode in, desiring and knowing that you were coming to right all the wrongs in the world so that we may be in a direct relationship with you, Lord. And Lord, so I pray this morning that, um, that we begin to allow you to, um, to move in, to, to ride into our lives in the areas where we have uh, grasped at power and grasped at our own uh, renown, our own uh, fame, our own desire to be known, Lord, that we set that aside. Lord, and we focus on being known by you. Lord. Lord, it is our desire to, to know you and for you to know us. And so, Lord, as we close with these last two songs of praise and worship, may they be songs of prayer that we focus in on what you desire for each one of us, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen.